Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, Aiden. Good afternoon, guys, or good evening, or good morning, wherever you're listening from. Uh, good week, I would say, as a Gooner, even though we've played less games than most of our rivals, I think we've, we're in the driving seat for this top four position thus far. Yeah, uh, going into the Newcastle game, uh, the mood was already upbeat from fans to the players as well. Of course, the naysayers in the media were still trying to say that, you know, it was like the Newcastle game would be some sort of uh, banana skin for us. Uh, you know, not trying to really give us credit. Because, look, if you think of it uh, about four to five weeks ago, we were, you know, chasing Tottenham with a, something like a 10-point gap. And now we had the chance to actually now get into third place ahead of them. But this um, is always going to be a tricky affair with Newcastle, you know, not... And uh, Benitez is not a team that's going to actually come out the traps flying. It's always going to be a team that just, you know, stuck into position and make it very difficult to break down. Yeah, I mean, the, the Magpies really came to frustrate, you know, packing the midfield with um, five players. So, I mean, Arsenal were you know, positive from the first whistle. Knowing patience would be the key. I mean, in my opinion, um, I was actually the, the, the probably certain quarters of the Arsenal fan base where I was thinking, I wanted almost like a blitzfire start. But I mean, I have heard leading up to the game, some of the Arsenal players were saying this would be a game of almost like patience. You know, you have to probably now, you know, wear them almost like out also to a degree. And, and I, I think that is also what we did because as a game wore on, look, the, uh, Newcastle were not going to be an attacking threat really, that, especially the first half uh, hour, 20 minutes. So, you know, at 20 minutes, we saw no breakthrough. Although we did have, at the time, we did have a goal chopped off in the 13th minute when Ramsey netted a fantastic volley into the net, but Socrates was to have, a judge to have pulled down um, LaJoyne. I think it was um, very soft. It was very soft. Uh, I, for me personally, I, I would have given it a goal. I know it's a bit of a biased opinion, maybe, because I'm saying it's an Arsenal goal, but to me, it was very soft that uh, like the guy who just went down so easily, he didn't even make an attempt, and I mean, good finish by Ramsey. For me, that should have been one more. I don't know how you saw that. That, that should have been a goal. Because when they saw that other replay, now, there, there's two factors with regards to that to just hop on. The first thing was both players were pulling each other. Just by the time the ball was already coming towards uh, the two of them, uh, Socrates and uh, that Lejoyne, Lejoyne then let go of, of uh, Socrates and Socrates, Socrates still had his arms somewhat pulled, so he fell. But with that, that new, that new um, Sky Sports cam that you see now on the field now, that give you almost like a FIFA 19 type view, you know, with the camera like pans across the field. And then, when they showed the referee's point of view, that ref did not see that. I mean, Anthony Taylor, Anthony Taylor did not see that. So it's almost like he made a blind call there because the linesman was not doing much, like flagging it. And he well, he just judged the point where, that point where you now mentioned with that moment where Lejoyne and I threw himself to the ground, like, easily. So, I mean, again, that was now, uh, look, we in this game going, like, what's it, 20 minutes? And Anthony Taylor, oh, yeah, going to the 20th minute, but I mean, the 13th minute of that incident was already a bad call by that ref. And I mean, he's somebody that, I'm not somebody, that, I mean, you guys know, since we've been doing the podcast, we're not somebody that, or guys that will now harp on a ref or whatever, you know, with bad decisions and that but I mean for me in general he's a bad ref. I mean I honestly don't know how he can be not only a FIFA ref but you know he, he represents England also on, on 
different forms of the international game as well. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I feel uh, officials in England at the moment uh, have, have been making some shocking calls. I mean, the Cardiff-Chelsea decision as well, that offside that, you know, allowed Chelsea to equalise. So, I don't know what's happening with the future. I think maybe this VAR actually, you know, needs to come in. I've never been that much of a fan of it, you know. I, I sort of like that human error in a game, but I think it's getting, going too far now in the Premier League. That So, it'll be good to have VAR next season. You know, speaking of VAR, just also just to open that topic quickly. Uh, you know, what is for me quite worrying also, there was a game, I don't know if it was in a Serie A the other day, where uh, it was also like the VAR actually ended up making a wrong decision. Like it, it, it would have been a vital decision, and they actually made a, a wrong call. And then there was another incident, I don't know if you heard about the story, it's a true story. Either I forgot if it was now England, um, sorry, not England, uh, Italy or the Bundesliga. When they switched, they, they needed a VAR decision when the camera switched over to the VAR room. There was nobody in the room. I think it was a La Liga game. I think it was a La Liga game where there was nobody. This is empty. <laughs> yeah. So, the, yeah. So, I mean, there's so, you know, a lot of insults, you know, I know, but this is not that, you know, cutthroat yet for the decision making. Um, Back to the game. Also, passing game was there in, during the match. You know, quick, quick, slick passing. Just the final third, Newcastle seemed to always be getting bodies behind the ball because, you know, that was now the game plan all along. Uh, the breakthrough came on 30 minutes when Dozy threads the ball off to Ramsey, who plays out the ball out wide for Lacazette, who tried to weave himself into the box, but the ball ended up bouncing off LaSalle's heel, and the ball then rolled out favorably to Ramsey. The Welsh were then coolly steered the ball goalwards with the ball kissing in off the post, 1 0 Arsenal. Uh, that was a really good finish. Like he didn't put too much power on it. Just basically passed it into the into the into the um bottom corner. I mean, it was it shows if we're going to be missing next season. That late yeah, line in the box. You could see that you know he plays it so perfect. I mean, that goalkeeper was actually full stretch and still could not get to it. You know, like one thing, and um, I know we mentioned this before, but. Um, a colleague of mine, even who's a Liverpool fan, even acknowledged the fact that he, he appreciates Aaron Ramsey the way he's carrying himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's just the fact that he's leaving, but he's playing his heart out, making sure that Arsenal will get in the top four. And I mean, like, if he must ever come back to the Emirates for Juventus, mm-hmm. he's one of the players that I can actually clap for and say, you know, this guy gave his all for the club. Yeah, I mean, he's not like, you know, uh, Alexis Sanchez already down tools in. November, when he was going to move, like about January, he was already downing tools then. Yeah, and I, I, I just think he's an example to the team and for, for someone who's leaving and to still wear the captain's armband says a lot of what Emery thinks about him and what the team feels about him as well. Um, with that uh, one little lead, I expected the goal to fire up Newcastle, but it seemed to just draw them even more into their shells. The point being proven when the army ventured forward, uh, losing the ball and instead, I uh, personally, as a football fan, I was expecting him to now press, you know, to try to win the ball back. And the minute he lost the ball, I mean, I couldn't believe, really, uh, you know, what I was saying. He lost the ball and he just started sprinting towards the halfway line, you know, no interest in, you know, trying to get the ball back or whatever. So you could see that was like, as we, I mentioned in the beginning, that, you know, playing to, to just pack the midfield, that was now their game plan. So it was more like, the minute he lost the ball, he just saw to it that he was an extra body midfield against me now uh, come on the attack. 
Yes, yes, they were they were doing that all time and looking to play that long ball over the top. They were just trying to see they could catch us out to that one long ball because that used to be our Achilles heel, I think, at some point in the season. And I think we've ironed out that very well. But I think it was the 30th minute maybe where Ron Don, when they played the ball over the top and Ron Don out muscled Socrates uh, before um, forcing Leno into a somewhat uh, wasn't it, uh, um, toughest of shots, but he, made, he went down to make the save. But you could see the intent was there to play that long ball over the top. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think Rondon actually wanted to place that ball to the other side of the corner, but yeah. he, he got his whole body wrong. The shape was totally wrong. But, you know, one guy, I just want to look at as we're now walking, uh, you know, doing this walkthrough with the game. One guy that also impressed me a lot. I mean, I, I'm not somebody that watches too much um, MLS. I mean, I do where I can. I try watching highlights, packages and stuff. But, I mean, that Almiron guy, I mean, he, you know, you can see there that, that potential is there to really hit it big time if things don't work, say, out at Newcastle. Because, I mean, that guy, that, that thinking, you can see he's almost like one or two steps ahead of the rest of that, that squad. Yes, I, I think he was, a, he was a shrewd bit of business from Benitez. I, I think it was a good find for Newcastle. Yeah, because, I mean, I think he was in the late... Um, so last summer, the, the, the transfer window, I did hear his name float around some of the, 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 the say, mid-table mid -table clubs. and then, But I did not think, you know, he's this, you know, like seeing him now at, at, at you know, his performance over the, the last few matches, I think last two or three games, he's, you know, really turning it on. So some, you know, maybe other teams can, you also like see something bigger for him also eventually. This is almost like just a stepping stone now in the Premier League for him. Ah, I definitely agree with that statement. And watch this space. So, back to the game. Uh, one touch passing of Arsenal was on point with Ozil getting involved in just about every move. I think when they, they had a pop-up during the game, it, it seemed he was all over the pitch. You know, even if it was like just that little little touch or five-yard pass. Or but, I mean, he was getting himself involved all over. So, it was like he had a more... A free roaming role, so he actually got involved in you know, just about every attacking move, and even you know trying to get his foot or body in the line when uh, we were on the back foot. So I mean, it seems this Emery is slowly, I mean, getting through too much. Look, he still shows certain things where he'll let people do a little triangle pass around him, stuff like that. But he is showing other aspects of his of his game. Also, now he's helping out people to double up. He might not, you know, win the ball back, but just that doubling up against an opponent it's also helping them the cause now um on the of half time we almost got two low up like is it spins and fires a shot straight for the top far corner the keeper was already beaten but better he makes some sort of diving save with the head and he flicks the ball over the bar uh, i couldn't believe that and i just remember you saying to me uh, or telling the listeners as well about you know, one of the guys we should be watching out for is Matt Ricci with his dead ball specialties. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is what I expected him to be clearing the ball off the line. And he said, watch out for Matt Ricci. So, uh, second half, finally some sort of fire in the belly of the Magpies. As Almiron hits again, a dangerous through ball in the area. Only for Mustafi to sniff out the danger. Uh, Emery then started ringing the changes. 61 minutes, he brings off Iwobi. On came Aubameyang, and then 67 minutes, Ramsey came off, I think, with Cramp. And, and then he came on to kind of show up things also, because uh, you could also sense Newcastle throwing a bit more, you know, 
everything into it now going into that last quarter of the game. Yeah, because it was that time of the game now when they were like, you know, keep it one nil, keep it one nil, and then start throwing caution to the wind now because it takes one set piece and suddenly it's one one. Newcastle started freshening up themselves and then they brought on the Japanese striker and Muto. But I mean, they were chasing chasing shadows actually for most parts of the game in the attacking sense. So Muto, all he could really muster was, you know, firing pot shots from outside the box, which was like going high and wide. I don't even on think the... Newcastle had a, had a shot even on goal this like whole game or a shot on target, if I'm, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right because. I mean, I think Lena had a very easy game. That's so why I think he was also given like a <coughs> excuse me, uh, average uh, rating, really. Because it's not like he really did nothing but for the adding a bit of passing to his game and, and doing things like distribution. Um, on 83 minutes, like as it seals the game, he starts and finishes the move, playing the ball around the defender to Aubameyang, who in turn hits the ball on into uh, Lacazette's path. Like Lascelles misjudges the flight of the ball, Lacazette then nips in. And lobster advancing keeper 2-0 Arsenal. For me, it was an excellent finish and nice to see the the, the best friends linking up as well for a, a goal for the Arsenal. And it yeah. seemed like uh Bobby Young added a lot of injection of pace into the game when he came onto the pitch. Yeah, because I, mean, I think you could also see that last quarter. It was certain, you know, the, the way they were chasing the ball constantly, because Arsenal were playing a very much position game also throughout the game from the first whistle, really. They were, almost like, you know, as I said before, chasing shadows. So they were you know, going to get knackered eventually with all that, you know, high press or attempted high press. And, I mean, you could see now that the minute Aubameyang came on, he was not adding that leggy, you know, side to the game. Uh, people like Lacazette was like, you know, like a machine running throughout. So, like, no real stopping him. And then Lacazette then almost forced Arsenal a third goal from a corner as the keeper then punched the ball into his own net. Although, again... Anthony Taylor dis, uh, makes a, another bizarre decision, saying that calling the, the, the ball up for uh, calling the the move up for a handball, saying like as it handled the ball into the net. So again, bizarre decision by the ref. One one thing I must state about this game is that a lot of fans um, seem to have been complaining about our performance. Where I thought it was a very professional for performance uh, that, and we actually. Like, never seemed troubled at all, and we, we, we were calm, level-headed, and patient. But a lot of, like, fans, like, you know, on the videos that the one watches on YouTube sometimes, they yeah. were, like, saying it was a bad performance, it was unacceptable. And also, for me, a lot of people were saying Gwen Dozy didn't have a, a good game, but I thought he actually was doing very well, breaking up play and almost getting the transition from defense to attack quite well. Also, other thing I want to add, also with regard to the game, I mean, as, as you said, I also picked up on some, you know, criticism. Look, that game was also not going to be a fancy game since look, it's not going to Newcastle did not really come out to play. They were there just to protect themselves from getting either a whooping or, or you know, a, a, like a, or a big defeat. So it was more they would be happy just with even a point. Other point I want to also add is uh, you had Arsenal. Look, we have to also pace ourselves as a, as a team. Because, look, there's now going to be one hell of a run now, like a roller coaster ride, really. In the, like, you know, as we're leading out to the, the end of the season. 
we were so so much to play for. So we have to also play ourselves. It's no use we're going to burn ourselves out in the game. So it's a very workman-like performance. It's going to take another few, especially now that, for me, what's going to be vital, these away games against Everton and I think Watford as well. Those games, I think, because for me, look, I don't know now be, you know, when the words come to bite me on the backside, but for me, the biggest hurdles with that stretch of, of games that we have, I think is that Everton, for me, it's going to be the Everton game and that Watford game. I think, look, Burnley will be tough, whichever way you look at it, but I'm just saying, for me, that Watford and, and, and uh, look, Wolves, you don't know the mindset of them because with them, they should go to the, get through to the FA Cup final. You, you yeah. just don't know so the mindset. The mindset will probably think, look, we can get into Europe. We already fly high in the in the Premier League, so we could still, you know, get a pathway and a trophy if we. Yeah. Like. And look, uh, the way Wolves are playing, they can win so over this year. I, I think as as Arsenal fans, we should be rooting for Wolves to get to the finals. Because, like you mentioned, now they they won't risk playing their their key players against Arsenal if their FA Cup journey is carries on to the finals. I mean, like you mentioned, there's a chance of silverware, but you know, with Wolves, I'm I'm very scared of them still. They're the one team that is taking points off everybody. I mean, look, I know we didn't discuss discuss Arsenal, but I just want to also we our fans also heed this warning. Or like the team as well. I watched that game against United the other day that they won. And I mean, United were winning. I'm sorry. United were losing already 2-1. And they had a man sent off. And, you know, your mindset would think, okay, now this, this team with the 11 men is going to overrun the team with them. The, what they were doing is they were then allowing United to get position, going into like a, a two banks of five and five. So, I mean, it's not like you're running to brick wall of the brick wall. So, by the time United were not somehow trying to be more intricate with their passing, with a being a man short, it ended up just biting them on the backside because then they eventually just burnt themselves out in the game. Because I think in that last quarter, then you saw um, Wolves again play a total different uh, uh, type of football, more attacking. And then you can see United had no answer to it because they already burnt themselves out with you know that intricate little passing that to make up that the extra man. You know, for me, if Wolves can get two or three quality players in at, at, at Wolves. I, I think they can be a, a force to be reckoned with next season and actually challenge that top six to break into it. Because if you look at the results at home and away against the top six teams, it's quite outstanding. Yeah. So, um, you know, full-time 2-0 to Arsenal, three more points up to third place for a while. Um, we switch our attention to the Everton game tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a tough game. As Marcus always, you know, got everything in some sort of form. But look, let's be honest, they've also been, you know, erratic at times. You know, because I think there was also a run with the head where they were getting knocked back to back at home. Uh, you know, in the league. So that was when he's almost like his job was started coming under threat. Um, everything now, I think the last two games, like before this whole long break that we had, they also won some like two on the bounce with Chelsea and West Ham. Um, the key players for Everton this season, like in the where they show that the Optus stats, is Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Digne, and Pickford. That Sigurdsson's been coming into form now more so than ever recently. Like I've been watching the past two games, and he looks like he's starting to be that Sigurdsson of all that we saw at Swansea. That's dictating play. 
And like the Richarlison thing, he always worries me because he's a very pacey player. I just hope Arsenal's defense will be able to combat that. Richarlison is also one guy that I worry, especially if you have so somebody like Mustafi or something. Oh, like my you, word. You, <laughs> you know, you put your body in front of him. He does, he, you don't have to ask him twice to take a dive in the box. So, you know, I think yeah, we have to also be wary tomorrow. You're going to have to be smart when we play against Everton. We don't want to be caught, you know, high up with, with their pacing and getting behind us. And then this, I needed one stat also on the end. Arsenal, only Premier League side without an away clean sheet. We need to see if we change that. Yeah, that, that is actually one of the things I wanted to ask you. But before I get to that, um, since you play Everton tomorrow, and I just want you to, um, you know, have a little experiment here. I want yeah. me to name your starting eleven for tomorrow, and then we're just going to see how it differs from Emre. Maybe the listeners can also, in their mind, when listening to this, if the game hasn't been played yet, um, just, you know, try to see what your starting eleven would be if you could get into Emre's mind. And then we can just see tomorrow when the game actually happens, how actually unpredictable he is with his lineup selection. Okay, I would have Leno in goal. The back three yeah. would be probably, I would have Koscielny in. Yeah. Uh, Socrates in. Montreal in. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think this is also the type of game where you need to be way more solid and on point because I think, you know, Mustafi even had Newcastle game. I see a lot of people did not mention it. I mean, look, he did a lot of good things. I mean, no, give him props there. But he also did things where, like that where he got Maitland-Niles half injured there when he gave that <laughs> yeah. where they just clattered into Maitland-Niles. And I thought that was totally unnecessary that pass that he gave him. That said, okay, back to that thing in the squad. Uh, Kolasinac, left wing back. Maitland Niles, right wing back. Middle of the park, I'd have um, Xhaka in if he's fit. Is Torreira's ban up yet? I didn't take note of that. I'm not sure. This has three games because we only played United and then this was our second game after United. So I think he could be one more game. Okay, so then it's middle of the park. I didn't have what's it, Xhaka, Guindosi. Um oh, we got three in the middle of the park, right? Yeah. So I'll probably have Ramsey again in there. And then up front, because look, you can't really say it, but Ozil, he does almost like a floating role. So I'd have Ozil outside right, middle Lacazette, and then probably Iwobi outside left. Or Mkhitaryan. I mean, both of them have been playing also quite well. So look, I just think also that's going to show something of, of Emery as well, character-wise, because... If he's going to go Iwobi and Mkhitaryan oh, like left and right of Lacazette or Obama, whoever's going to lead the line, it's going to also tell you he's still a bit weary of Ozil you know, to put him in a game like this. Because look, there's also going to be a big call on, on how he sees or how we also see Ozil from now until the end of the season. You know, if he's going to put him in these tough sort of away games. Because look, they're going to know to put pressure on him. So he's going to need some sort of either protection or pulled out of a game like this. Question, do we play Napoli or this Thursday coming up in the Europa League? Yes, home time first, yeah. Uh, like, I think with that game, um, not to go too much into it, but I, I think that we need to take advantage of a Napoli's away form. Um, I've been watching their last few games in Serie A, and they don't seem very convincing when they're playing away from home. So I think Arsenal need to make sure we, we take advantage of this. And that being said, 
I would also ask you, how do you think, or what could Arsenal possibly do to cure this tra travel sickness that we have? I just think more people need to step up because I think, look, I think it's also now, uh, there was an interview, I don't know if you, you saw with Lacazette, he was asked now about this run. Not really, they weren't really touching on, on, on actually the waveform, but they were just talking about the games remaining, what, uh, how he sees it, or how he sees it, and the t team also. And he said, as long as the confidence is there, it's like they believe they can win every game. And I think that is actually also what I wanted to hear. It's like not somebody second-guessing himself or, you know, I think sometimes we had that feeling also in previous seasons where people are saying things, but they don't look that confident. Whereas this team, they are, sometimes, yeah, you might say people like Luckers in them can be arrogant, but I think that is always what we were lacking. So you have now these people that are, not only they, they, they have that cockiness, but they also know they can, they can, they can put up if, if they need to put up. So I just think to myself, going to that, that especially now those games now, with that mindset, I think we, it's almost like, how best do I explain it? It's almost like when you try to break down a, a title running, where, you know, it's like you, you, you can see the finishing line in the distance and you just know, look, another winner is going to take you that one or two steps closer to it. So, I mean, if you got to that, that sort of mindset in you already, look, I think for us, it's almost like the top four, uh, four I know we used to be teased about it, the top four trophy. But I think that in that mindset, it can take us or carry us going in now, this, this is the final straight of the season now, with like, what, seven games to go, something like that. So, I, I just think to myself, that is the way we should now go, through, almost like, oh, I think you also mentioned a while back, we treated games almost like cup finals. Yeah. Where, you know, you play your life on it. That's why I think we keep it. we've also been also fighting on two fronts now. We can see, look, we we could say, yeah, with that, or I think previous management would have said, yeah, okay, we're going to sacrifice this or that. or Whereas we have now a manager who says, you know, for the heck of it, why don't we go for both? we got a squad that, that we can balance now. Like You can actually see also the way the rotation is done. It's not drastic, you know, where six are out. Like, oh, okay, something we do have that, sorry. But it's like everybody just clicks in. It's not like at Lego parts. Everything is just clicking in with it whenever this one is out, this one is in. And, you know, the, a sort of smooth running in. I, I think if Arsenal can get that top four and Europa League or either or, it will give yeah. a heck of a lot belief to the dressing room. And also more of the team, I'm not saying the team isn't doing this, but more of them will start buying into Emre. They'll be like, okay, yeah. this guy's gotten us here. Let's start listening. Let's buy in more to what the coach has to say. So it all plays a big part in like how the next season, next few seasons yeah. follow in Emre's reign if he can pull this off. Because let's face it, in the beginning of the season, if they said um, with seven games to go, you're going to be third place and um, in a Europa League quarterfinals, we would have bitten your hand off for it. So we're in a really good situation at the moment. Because I, I mean, like going into the, these games, I just think to myself, uh, you know, in a way, it also bodes as well if we just have that positivity because that can carry us over the line because the the fixtures are winnable. Like, that home, especially that, if you take the home games as well because Arsenal are also ruthless at home. So I think if we can just get, grind out a few, you know, there, look, there's going to probably be a couple of slip-ups along the way. But I mean, I just hope it's not that slip-ups where we go away with home with nothing because we need to almost like get points with every away game. Because I think that that could also be key to everything. Like, 
like say of that was it five away games if we can like win say three and 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 get like say two draws or something like that because i think now you look i think tottenham are going to be again on a run with a couple of easy games or supposedly easy games but then also just when they think they're going to get into that that, that run again then they're going to again come up against uh, like a man city or a liverpool or whoever they still got yeah <laughs> they got they got city still but can you imagine the the what could happen to the spurs morale if in those three games against City, they get blown away in all three games. So that's basically knocked out of the Champions League and they could be sitting in sixth place in the Premier League when City's done with them. I think as a club and, and morale-wise, momentum-wise, you hit rock bottom after that. I mean, we've seen that happen to Arsenal many times before. Yeah, so, yeah, true what you said. But I just think now, also, oh, this is the other point that I also want to bring up. With the whole top four thing, I think it's going to also take us in the transfer market to a different level if we do get Champions League football. So, you know, the quality of players that come in is going to go from, you know, almost like mid-tier to probably we can maybe bring in the one or two worldy players, you know, because look, we do need somebody solid at the back. It's going to almost like guide us on to the, so the next three or four years. You know, one of those, because I think we need a type of, I wouldn't say that that guy, because, Sometimes they mention him that that list of of Ajax, but I just think we need somebody like that where we can mold somebody with that potential that can you know push us to the next level as well. With, you know, at a young age already, because I think we actually have in our team that's aging together, and I think that's also a bit risky. You know, going into a new season. Uh, I think we need, like you said, uh, I think another guide for me we need also is like another Torreira type player, but the younger version, and then uh, another striker as well that can add like get chalk on his boots out wide and also maybe you know if need be be a a, a filler in for like i said in a palm did you hear that rumor of the that ryan fraser that uh, I, I saw something about it but i never read into much of it is it uh how is it is it a hot rumor is it like you know the thing is uh emery he was talking i don't know it was like two weeks ago you know, besides the players that we normally link to at the moment, they said he actually wants to bring in almost like an English core again to the side. So he wants to, you know, also try to dip into the English market because I think there's even some young uh, defender that he was looking at that plays, I think, in League One. I think, I'm not sure if it's League One or the Championship, where they also want to bring in some of these that, that, uh, young English players that are already showing their potential at, at the under 18, under 21 level. So, I mean, let's wait and see how that how plays out. It's interesting seeing a Spanish coach wanting to bring an English core. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. But anyway, that's, I think, I believe Chelsea, either Chelsea or Man City are also planning to do something like that in the summer because they want to also add a few. Because I think it's with that home, you know, that homegrown player rule also. They want to also, you know, not to get to the wrong side of the FA and stuff like that. Yeah, I, w- I would like them to enforce something like that because, you know, the, that's what makes sometimes the Premier League so unique. That, you know, the best league for me, in my opinion, and to attract the best players in the team, like in the world, to come to the Premier League. I wouldn't want them to, like, cap it at a certain amount. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, so, I mean, the final point that's one of my keys, I mean, I was just checking the that bet 365 odds. Uh, they, they were tipping Arsenal to win tomorrow at 235 my favorites and then 
the tipping Everton to win at 3.00 and the draw is 3.75. So, you know, hopefully, as you see, that the chips are in our favor. So, I'll end off the podcast now. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Hope we get the three points tomorrow. Come on, you gooners. Let's go, Arsenal.